0: The 70th quack cast. My oh my. Time flies like an arrow, fruit flies like a banana. This one is called SOSDD, which stands for Same Old Stuff, Different Day. What does it take to become a doctor? Eh, endurance and perseverance help. It is a long haul from college to practice. But the skill that is most beneficial is the ability to consume prodigious amounts of information, remember it, and then recall it for multiple choice tests. I often relied on B to get me through some exams having been informed that that is the most common answer. That's probably not true. Thinking, specifically critical thinking, is not high on the list of abilities that are needed to become or B, a doctor. Day-to-day, doctors need to think clinically, not critically. Clinical thinking consists of synthesizing the history, the physical, and the diagnostic studies, and deciding upon a diagnosis and a treatment plan. It is not as simple as you might think. When medical students start their clinical rotations and you read their notes, you realize they have what amounts to an advanced degree at Google U. They know Huge amounts of information, but have no idea on how to apply it to this specific clinical scenario. With time and experience, and it takes at least a decade, students become clinicians and master how to think clinically, but rarely do they need to think critically. The volume of data combined with time constraints ensures that we need to rely on the medical hierarchy to help manage the information overload required to apply science and evidence-based medicine. There is just too much data for one little tiny brain to consume. Other doctors rely on me for the diagnosis and treatment of odd infections. I, in turn, rely upon the published knowledge and experience of my colleagues who have devoted a career to one aspect of an infectious disease. There is little time for most doctors to read all the medical literature carefully. And usually, little need. We have people and institutions that we can reliably use as surrogates. Not only is critical thinking usually not required to be a good physician, but medical practice can conspire to give physicians a false sense of their own ability. Really? Who'd have thunk it? But spend some time with doctors in the dining room and listen to them pontificate on politics or economics with the same false assurance that they have in their own true field of expertise, and you will run screaming from the room. Medicine is also rife with confirmation error. In practice, there is rarely negative feedback for making a wrong diagnosis, since everybody all the time makes the wrong diagnosis. The good doctors are nimble at changing course quickly, rather than sticking with a wrong diagnosis. And there is no lack of positive feedback from good results. There's the potential for unbalanced positive feedback to engorge the susceptible ego. Last week, I was walking downtown and was stopped by a lady, daughter of a patient, who introduced me to her friends as, quote, as a doctor who saved my mother's life, end quote. Now, that's not true, given that medicine is a team effort. And while I made the diagnosis that others had missed, I know if I had not made the diagnosis, some other infectious disease doc would have. But it is a great chance for ego boo. On the other hand, I must admit to great irritation when the hard work of the ICU team pulls someone's bacon out of the fire and the credit goes to God. I want to yell, it was not God that saved your father. It was the doctors and the nurses and the respiratory therapists and the rest of the hard-working, highly experienced ICU staff. And just why the hell did God make him so ill in the first place? I do at least want partial credit. And I do remain grateful, however, that mind reading is not a reality. The other weird thing that happens in medicine is that explicit knowledge we learn in medical school and residency over time becomes implicit. I have discussed before how sometimes I can come to the correct diagnosis with minimal information. It almost seems like intuition. And then explain after the fact how I came up with the diagnosis. It often feels like the answer is bubbling up from below my conscious awareness, It is really most peculiar how much of my medical reasoning occurs below my consciousness. If one is not careful, that seeming quasi-omniscience could lead to a certain arrogance about your own abilities, an almost Zaphod-Bibelbrock-like sense of self-importance. And if part of your job is to hold people's living hearts in your hands, It amazes me that at least my heart surgeons are such nice, self-effacing people. Not all heart surgeons, however. Add the lack of training and critical thinking to the weird combination of the Peter Principle and the Dunning-Kruger effect, and you have a scam proponent in the making. The Peter Principle says that people rise to their level of incompetence, and if someone masters an area... They then become incompetent in another field. The Dunning-Kruger effect suggests that people make poor decisions and reach erroneous conclusions, but their incompetence denies them the metacognitive ability to appreciate their mistakes. When good docs go scam. Starting with the basic sciences as a pre-med and working your way through the brogdick and quantities of information to understand the workings of the human body in health and disease results in knowledge but not necessarily wisdom. In medical school you learn what to think, not necessarily how to think. You have to trust those up and down the line of experience to know at least in part what they are doing. Intern to resident to chief resident to attending to subspecialist. I variously use team sport and hive intelligence to describe the practice of hospital medicine although the Borg may be a better metaphor. That being said, there is, at least in my neck of the woods, little dogmatism. Skeptics, diehard and otherwise, are often portrayed as close-minded and dogmatic, but in the teaching hospitals in which I practice, explanations of the medical literature are often filled with qualifications and caveats as we teach the residents. How much of the great gray uncertainty that is medicine is passed on to patients is always an interesting question, and different clinicians will react differently to that clinical challenge. I rarely see the caveats and uncertainty in the scam world that is common in medicine. Often my answer to a consult is that the patient does not have an infection, or if they do, I have no specific therapy, and you have to let the disease run its course. I wonder if, in passing, anyone has ever gone to a scam provider and been told, nope, sorry, can't help you. Chiropractic slash acupuncture slash reishi slash whatever has no benefit for insert disease here. I bet that has almost never happened. Patients use scams for a variety of reasons and I, for one, do not pretend to understand why people prefer magic over reality. And sounding like the arrogant tool of the medical industrial complex I am, I wonder if part of the reason is that they don't know any better, and really, most people have no reason to. The average person has little motive or inclination to become immersed in the background required to understand why scams are nonsense. Most people have better things to do. They have work and family. But MDs? You would think a doctor would know better. Astronomers do not flock to astrology. Physicists do not push perpetual motion machines in large numbers. Geologists do not become young earth creationists in droves after they graduate from graduate school. It flabbers my gaster that, after learning all the information required to put MD after your name, anyone could find any validity in any scam of any kind. And yet, many do. Too many. Part of my assumption is that the Ozes and Chopras and Wheels of the world—actually, it's Wiles. Yeah. Anyway, it's part of my assumption is that the Ozes and Chopras and Wiles of the world do not process information about the world in the same way that the Gorskies and Novellas and Atwoods do. Either they never learned, or cannot learn critical thinking, and most importantly, cannot apply the concepts of critical thinking, to themselves. I was originally dragging my feet with this podcast as the topic was going to be Dr. Oz, who consistently demonstrates all the cognitive flaws and biases I have mentioned above. The first thing I did when I received my medical school acceptance letter, besides checking the name to make sure that it was really addressed to me and not a mistake, was sell my electric typewriter, thinking I would never have to type again. The thought of transcribing Dr. Oz's shows fills me with dread, as my typing skills are barely up to the task of transcribing the thoughts in my head, much less the flow from Dr. Oz. Imagine my delight when I came across an editorial in JAMA, Medicine's Great Divide, The View from the Alternative Side, by Dr. Deepak Chopra, which has the same odd worldview and odd thinking with none of the transcription errors. Cut and paste is so much easier. Dr. Chopra, and he is an example, an archetype, of all scam practitioners, lives in a world radically different from the world in which I live and practice. My professional world view is equal parts in understanding of objective science, and an understanding of the almost too numerous to count human intellectual and physical frailties and shortcomings that make applying science to patient care difficult and prone to error. And that doesn't even include just how hard it is to figure out what is going on in patients. Of course, people never see themselves as others see them. When I read Dr. Chopra's account, I also have to ask myself, is my professional worldview correct? Or am I just this guy, you know? However, my Bebelbrox like internal monologue reassuringly tells me no. So let's all go toe dash together. Quote Conventional medicine is offended that alternative medicine even exists. For the average physician to hear that an allergy patient is taking an extract of nettle to treat his symptoms that a breast cancer patient is being treated with coffee enemas and a macrobiotic diet arouses scorn. Who would have scorn at coffee enemas? I can't imagine anyone would look upon that as anything but valid. Over a decade ago, when the New England Journal of Medicine reported that Americans pay more visits annually to alternative practitioners than to MDs, the attitude of the editorial writer was barely disguised dismay, and disbelief. It was as if the whole country had turned its back on jet travel to return to the horse and buggy. Now, I do not speak for conventional medicine, or as I like to call it, medicine. I only speak for myself. I don't even speak for truffle trees. But I do have a sense of dismay when doctors use or promote scams, like coffee enemas for breast cancer. Do I have dismay when other people do that? Not so much. Dr. Chopra evidently feels that relying on the irrational magics of earlier ages is a reasonable way to approach health and disease. It is worse than horse and buggy, which will at least get you to your destination. Scams are the intellectual equivalent of returning to demon exorcism, cupping, bleeding, and purging to treat and prevent illness. It is applying the principles of Harry Potter. In a world where disease and death are real. In my worldview, bad idea. On the other hand, in the entire essay, he never once mentions a specific wackaloon scam as worthy of use in patient care. He prefers instead to focus on the shortcomings of medicine. Quote, Yet at bottom, no one could really object to the aims of alternative medicine, which is to bring relief to the whole patient, end quote let see now. What is the road to hell paved with? I can't recall. Object to the aims? No. Everybody thinks they are acting in a beneficent manner. He says resisting the urge to invoke Godwin's law by mentioning Hitler. But I wouldn't do that. But the methods? Yeah, I object to the methods. The objections with scams have nothing to do with their aims, Dr. Strawman. It is how those aims are accomplished. I have trouble trusting people's health and well-being with interventions that have no basis in reality. He spends the rest of the paragraph dwelling on the pathologies of modern medicine, the lack of time, the unpleasant environments of modern hospitals, with all the usual implied arguments that since medicine has issues... And there's no denying that it does. Scams must be valid in the solution. Quote, in other words, the other party in the divorce, those who have lost faith in conventional medicine, has its own valid reasons. End quote. Because I am fat, therefore you are thin. It gets tiresome seeing the same flawed arguments. Has Dr. Chopra never bothered to peruse the cognitive error in logical fallacies pages on the Wikipedia to at least casually educate himself on the bare minimum of critical thinking? Scams of all stripes have to fall or stand on their own merits, not on the perceived and real failings of medicine. The response of my hospitals to the problems with medicine has not been to abandon medical science in favor of nonsense, but instead to rigorously apply the results to improve what we have with remarkable results. We have made the airplane fly better, safer, and more comfortably, not abandon the airplane in favor of levitation. End quote. And I do love those airplane analogies. Quote. The two camps are not as opposed as they once were. 25 years ago, the possible efficacy of traditional healing modalities, herbs, maybe, Eastern therapies like acupuncture, doesn't work, and even mind-body medicine, doesn't work, was so foreign as to be entirely alien. Today, there are still die-hard skeptics, i.e. people with a consistent understanding of reality who understand that the shortcomings of human cognition apply to themselves as much as to others, of course. But in a mood of expanded tolerance, i.e. easy money, an MD can look at the research on neurotransmitters, cell membrane receptors, and brain physiology, which has made enormous strides in recent decades. Taken as a whole, this research describes the body as an integrated system that exchanges information continuously between the mind, via the brain, and every cell in the body. Quote. Huh? What? I cannot see how the first part of the paragraph relates to the second half of the paragraph. What does the holistic integrated system of the body have to do with healing modalities, herbs, and acupuncture? Now, I will admit up front that I have a child in medical, medical school. I have a child in middle school, and I have been reading his five-paragraph essays with their emphasis on logical flow and coherence. So, perhaps I am a bit out of practice when reading essays written by adults and miss the subtle connections between alien modalities, acupuncture, and modern neurophysiology. One aspect of scam proponents I note is they like to take obvious conclusions, what would be almost banal statements, and make them seem like some profound insight into the human condition available only Scammers. Quote, the body is an integrated system that exchanges information continuously with the mind via the brain and every cell in the body. End quote. Well, duh. I guess Dr. Chopra hasn't spent much time on rounds in the hospital for a while, where the endless permutations of physiologic interactions and complexity are discussed, observed, and modified. Understanding these interactions is part of what makes the practice of medicine real medicine so damn hard it must be so much easier to do some quantum mind body hand waving and not to actually have to fret about the application of practical physiology quote with real time scans scams, scams? <laughs> with real time scans from functional mri staring them in the face mds have no reason to look upon the placebo effect for example as quote not real medicine unquote when patients feel relief from chronic pain by being given a sugar pill, i.e. a lie, the body's endorphins are filling the exact same receptors in the brain that externally administered opiates fill, quote. Now, placebo has always been real medicine. The question is how it is applied and whether using a placebo is ethical. It is not, since lying to a patient is not ethical. And how effective the placebo is... For pain, barely, for any other disease, placebo has no effect. In the end, the placebo effect, so-called, is no more than a good patient-doctor interaction. In my worldview, however, placebo is wrong, because lying to patients is wrong. Its effects are marginal, especially for infections, and I have yet to find a use of placebo that is not lying to the patient. But scam practitioners have a key insight that only they have access to. The importance of diet. Of course, he transitions into the old trope that diet is alternative. Alternative to starving, I suppose. As my son would say, how edgy. Changing diet can improve cardiovascular disease. (laughs) What the hell? No one ever told me that in the last 25 years. that diet was important for cardiovascular and other diseases. I want my refund from medical school. It is important for scam practitioners to pretend that diet is somehow alternative and then, by extension, validate mind-bogglingly stupid nonsense like Reiki or acupuncture or homeopathy. SOSDD Seriously, what offends me is not alternative medicine, but sloppy, inaccurate, lazy thinking. Be it in scams, or politics, or literary criticism. And so much of scam is sloppy thinking, sometimes from educated people who I think should know better. But I remain of the opinion that sloppy thinkers make sloppy doctors. Dr. Chopra is a board-certified endocrinologist, and he is trying to imply with a straight face, that lifestyle changes, diet and exercises, have not been at the core of the approach for type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. Grand Rounds this week was an update on hypertension. The first part of the lecture? Diet and exercise. It is an old truth that if you repeat a lie often enough, people will come to think it's true. Quote, One sign of growing reconciliation comes in the form of softened technology. Instead of calling it alternative or holistic medicine, as I've been doing, the more acceptable term is complementary and alternative medicine, CAM, which sends a signal, see, I am not your foe, we can cooperate, we're complementary, which is true. This reads like Jake Chambers' final essay. For those of you that have not read the Dark Tower series, you'll have no idea what that obscure reference is. You have to watch Cam all the time. Cam is a pain, and that is the truth. Really? You can add nothing to something and increase its value? Homeopathy. If an integrated medical center ever go under, they may have a job on Wall Street. One plus zero is not two, except in the world of scam. See? I am your foe. You have nothing of value, which is true. Then comes the wonderful melange of reality mixed with BS. The problem is that an MD's practice is badly set up to promote prevention. Often true. Visits are too short. Yep. They aren't adequately trained beyond their specializations. Bullshit. Their habits are focused almost entirely on drugs and surgery as treatment modalities. Bullshit. Prevention is considered too soft. Bullshit. I just spent time with my primary care physician. I spent time teaching residents. Prevention is primary. What a load. And yet, if you shift the burden of prevention to the patient, let's call it empowerment when the scamsters do it, which most MDs are more than happy to do, Let's call it a partnership when scamsters do it. There is enormous resistance. Bullshit. The patient has been given countless warnings about smoking, poor diet, and lack of exercise. From who? Physicians. Yet we have no means eradicated lung cancer, obesity, coronary artery disease, and type 2 diabetes. True. True. Lifestyle disorders prove intractable when people cling to bad lifestyle habits and resist adopting good ones. Oh, so very true. But whose fault is that? Physicians were trained in this stuff. The difficulty is always getting poorly motivated people to change their behavior. We remain a nation of sedentary overeaters paying pious lip service to prevention while doing less than enough about it. Again, true. What is the solution scams? This is where scams make significant inroads, because one of its main themes is to return power to the patient. End quote. See? I told you where this was going. Doctors dump CAM returns power to the patient. I love the language of BS. The language and lessons of Animal Farm in nineteen eighty four remain as relevant in 2011 as they did when the books were written, and will probably be true for the life of the human species. I imagine that those who seek CAMs are motivated to see a benefit from a particular CAM. Scam providers see a self-selected population who want to have results from whatever modality they are using. I really wonder how effective any scam based therapy would work if it was tested on a population from CFI, or TAM-9, so much potential for confirmation bias in the assertion that scams have the unique ability to alter patient's behavior by empowering the patient. Quote, Medicine should welcome the whole trend to self-treatment instead of taking the scornful attitude that nothing works but the modalities taught in medical school. End quote. So when is shifting the burden magically transformed into a trend for self-treatment? When it is offered by a scam practitioner, most MDs are aware that medical school is the beginning, not the end of learning, and also recognize that it is as important to know what isn't effective as is important as knowing what is effective, unlike scam practitioners. It is why medicine evolves and scams are intellectually stagnant. Dr. Chopra seems to invent a world that does not exist, at least in the practice of medicine in Portland, and then rail against it. Trying to engage the patient in their care has been the goal of medicine since the beginning of time. Quote, The real mystery, one that deeply intrigued me 25 years ago, is that so many therapies that totally disagree with one another manage to bring results. Our is not Kidong. Yoga isn't Reiki. None of them are placebo. Not true. Yet somehow healing exists, and the channel it takes can be quite unexpected and inexplicable. The real mystery is why so many forms of astrology totally disagree with each other yet manage to bring results. Huh. There is no mystery if you live in a reality-based environment. The real answer, the rational answer, is that none of them do diddly. People often get better, always have, and the endless ability of patients and doctors alike to fool themselves and others is endless. That paragraph by Dr. Chopra, more than any other in his editorial, sums up the difference I see between the scam proponents and SBM. A complete and total lack of insight and critical thinking that allows people to not recognize their own limitations in understanding the world. And yet I am the closed-minded, arrogant tool. Continuing in a separate vein from the world I work in, quote, The inconvenient truth that you can heal yourself has always been the foundation of medicine. Duh. The body is the locus of the healing system. Physicians assist this complex, little understood system. They do not actually do the healing. If it feels threatening to MDs, there is much more room for pride to take a fall. End quote. Dude, it is not inconvenient at all. We all know that. No one is threatened. So many straw men, so many stuffy guys. I worry about a tremendous conflagration should nonsense arguments become flammable. What's next? We in scam understand that water is wet, fire is hot. Only scam practitioners seem to make it a virtue to trumpet the obvious as if it were some profound truth. Little understood? What, you give up reading the literature? Understanding of healing is not complete, but it is broad and it is deep. Quote, Conventional medicine also faces the mysterious decline effect. Established medications steadily lose their effectiveness over time, as if newer generation patients has different, less receptive physiologies. End quote. Seriously, is this willful ignorance, massive confirmation bias, mysterious? Really? Does he even bother to read and think about these topics? I shall quote Dr. Stephen Novella. It is no surprise the effect of science in preliminary studies tends to be positive. This can be explained on the basis of experimental bias. Scientists want to find positive results. The initial experiments are often flawed or less than rigorous. It takes time to figure out how to rigorously study a question so early studies will tend not to control for all the necessary variables. There is further publication bias in which published studies tend to be positive more than negative studies. Further, some preliminary research may be based upon chance observations. A false pattern based upon a quirky cluster of events. If these initial observations are used in preliminary studies, then the statistical fluke will be carried forward. Later studies are then likely to exhibit a regression to the mean or return to more statistically likely results, which is exactly why you shouldn't use initial data when replicating a result, but should use entirely fresh data, a mistake for which astrologers are infamous, end quote. So I suppose scams are immune to the decline effect? Probably, since you can't decline past zero, any further decline in the effects of homeopathy and acupuncture or energy therapy would soon cross the line into increasing the symptoms they are attempting to treat. "Quote, For me, the most distressing aspect of the decline effect is how widely it is being ignored. Unquote. <laughs> Come on rounds, Dr. Chopra. Listen to our intensivists discuss the use of steroids and sepsis. Our cardiologists discuss the approach to acute coronary events with their residents. The history of the literature, why the approaches evolved, the studies have refined and extended our understanding. The decline effect is an integral part of teaching of medicine. It is an integral part of the history of science and the evolution of medicine. Just like the complexity and the integrated systems of the body. It is part of the foundation of the practice of medicine, although, like much of the foundations of medicine, rarely explicitly stated, except, of course, as a source of pseudo-profundity. More distressing appears to be the inability to apply the same worry to scams, where the history demonstrates increasingly better studies of scams results in decreasing efficacy until well-designed, bias-free studies show zero efficacy. Not a decline effect, but a crash, burn, and explode effect, always ignored by the scam proponents. Oh well, a foolish inconsistency is adored by scam mind and its philosophers. If you think medicine has issues, read the scam literature. It is nice how artfully Dr. Chopra fails to note that the literature in the scam world is several logs worse and almost no intervention has any physical or biologic plausibility. Quote, My purpose isn't to justify the vast universe of healing modalities that exist outside the Harvard Medical School. Besides a Palinist stab at populist anti-intellectualism, I note that Harvard is long past its prime as a medical arbitrator, what with the Oshler Clinical Center and all. Harvard has consumed the Kool-Aid. Continuing the quote, I look instead forward to the next phase of this reverse marriage, which is shy courtship. If both sides stopped being defensive, they would see they share core values treating the whole patient, reducing suffering, closing the gap between healer and healed, and doing the least harm while bringing the most good. End quote. Whoops! They forgot a core value trusting patients' lives and fortunes to therapies that have efficacy based on reality and are shown to be effective. Small thing, I know, but I am old school and feel obligated to treat patients with therapies that are effective beyond the self-delusions and biases of the practitioner. Quote With that in mind, I have little desire to debate the skeptics and scientists who disdain Cam and falsely claim their side is valid and evidence-based. The mystery of healing remains to be solved. End quote. Oh, that's a relief. I guess he will not be responding in the comments section of SBM and prefers to live in his own world. It's like the people who watch Fox News. No contradictory opinions, please. This week... I helped cure-slash-heal two heart valve infections, a relapsing fever, a malaria, a handful of pneumonias, and a handful of skin infections. No mystery there for me. Do I understand all parts of healing? No. Does that invalidate the parts I do understand? Nope. Would any scam have complemented any part of my patient's course? No. I do agree that scams are evidence-based. It's just that the science and evidence demonstrates they do nothing and that science and evidence has validated their worthlessness. He concludes, quote, The next step will be to remodel medical school curricula so that future physicians are not wandering in the dark as my generation dead, totally ignorant, if not blind, about treatments outside our narrow range of knowledge. Expanded medicine is the answer. I am sure of that, end quote. Just as I am sure that the world will not be improved by scam modalities. For fun, let's make a list of advances in human health made in the last hundred years in the U.S. or elsewhere that were due to the application of any supplement, complementary, or alternative medicine. That silence was deliberate. There's nothing on the list. My wife likes to say, if you want to predict the future, look at the past. I do not practice in the world of Dr. Chopra or understand its allure. His medical world is divorced from the one I work in and his approach to the understanding of medicine could be used as a textbook for examples on logical fallacies, cognitive errors, and disingenuous arguments. I am less impressed. As Dr Feynman said, the first principle is that you must not fool yourself, and you are the easiest person to fool. Unless, of course, you think the future is expanded medicine. SOS DD. Same old stuff, different doc. And so we come to the end of the 70th quack cast. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget, there's more to my growing multimedia empire at moremark.squarespace.com, where you will find links to my blogs and my podcasts and my books and my guides, because the world needs more, Mark Chryslop. And a hell of a lot less, Deepak Chopra. So, on that note, I'm going to go for a walk in the Oregon sun. See you next time. Bye.